from the Carter Subaru Studios. This is Cairo Nights with Jake Skorheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. It's the nine o'clock hour. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. I am Jake Skorheim, your host. If you haven't listened to the first two hours of the show, don't worry. You're not going to miss them. You can actually go back and find them on our podcast, which is what I'm pumping to you right now. Please go and download it. It's really great. Just go to Cairo Nights with Jake Skorheim, wherever you get your podcast. I promise you're going to love it. It's free. The price is right. It's a bargain. It's a deal. And you get three hours of me every single night delivered seamlessly right to your phone. No pervy pictures. I'm not going to send you any weird stuff. It's just the fun stuff we do on the show. So it's not going to get weird between us. You just get to listen at your leisure. You can actually fast forward if you want to. A lot of people tell me they do that. And I think that's a compliment somehow. I don't know how that's a compliment, but I think it's a compliment. I think they actually, I think what they meant was probably a typo. They rewind things that I say that they find so fascinating because I'm always saying such fascinating things on this show. Such entertaining, fascinating things. You're learning so much on that show. On that podcast, you're learning so much that you can go back and rewind it and you can listen to it again and again and again. And so download the podcast. You're like totally missing out if you're not getting to it. All right. First things first. I addressed this a little bit earlier, but I feel like I have to address it again. There's kind of the elephant in the room. And I just got to get this out of the way so that you guys understand why, why I'm acting so cocky. We just got our ratings in. We get these things called a book. They break them down by quarter. So this last book, I'm doing an air quote, but you guys can't see an air quote right now. We're on the radio. We're not on video. Actually, you can see me if you're watching the video. So we get these things called the books, called the holiday book, whatever. It's like how they group in a bunch of stuff. They uh, That's October, November, and December. And, you know, again, it's not to toot my own horn, but eh, we're pretty good. Pretty good. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is because <laughs> God has a funny way of building you. Are, he doesn't do this. You let yourself, you let your head get fat. Like I let my head get a little bit fat. We got this really good news on Friday and they said, hey, I don't know if you know this, but you're doing really, really great. Like really great. And again, that's thanks to you guys. You guys are tuning into the show. For whatever reason, this particular brand of weirdness uh, appeals to a lot of people. I think because we're all just normal people. So this is where normal people hang out. So I really like that. Uh, so I really appreciate you guys listening to us. But yeah, Friday, I got a little bit of a fat head. They told me some good news. And I said, hey, that's great. And then I walked around like I was floating on air. And so then, okay, so the end of the story, deal gets. I get my comeuppance. So stick with me. I'm going to tell you a story. It's a personal story. It's a little embarrassing. It's probably too much information. Might be oversharing, but uh, it's going to see me get what I deserve for having a fat head. And it, it you know, life teaches you these lessons. And this is what it's all about. So yesterday was Sunday. I'm a church going man. I go with my family, and we decided to go to church. And once we get there. Uh, we're kind of late because we're not like people who get to church on time generally because I have three young kids, which means we're always late running out of the house. That's just the way it works out. If you have young kids, you have a family, you understand this. So we are not in the section up front where they actually have like permanent seating in pews and soft, comfy seats. We always end up in the back section where they put extra chairs at the back for overflow people because they have shown up late. And I guess this is your penance that you're paying. You get to sit on a hard plastic formed chair instead of the comfy, soft, 
really nice looking chairs that are just, I don't know, they just look great. I've never actually gotten a chance to sit in them because I'm never on time. If I were on time, that's where I would be. But I wasn't. I was in the back. So I'm in church and I am drinking a cup of coffee because I was out kind of late the night before also. I was out late playing cards with some friends and had a couple of drinks, if I'm being honest, from sharing too much with you guys. Uh, And I love the Lord. I just from time to time, I also enjoy playing cards and having a drink, whatever. I'm just like no, totally normal thing. People like to do that. So I get to, but I still go to church, right? So like, don't hold it against me. So I'm in church. I'm sitting there. Uh, my wife is sitting next to me and I'm drinking a coffee. And is it particularly good coffee? No, but it's there and it's free. And so I need the caffeine because I need to wake up a little bit. So at this point in the church, there are some people up front being baptized, which is really wonderful. And there's a lot of people who are really celebrating that and getting real emotional about it. I'm just like, oh, this is great. And I'm also at the same time, I don't know why, but my hands are kind of fidgeting and I'm playing around with the bottom of the cup. And so I'm pushing around on this cup. I don't know why I'm doing this. This is a ridiculous thing to do. And uh, what I end up doing is I poke a hole with my thumb. (laughs) Again, I don't know my own strength. I don't know why I did it. I don't have a good reason. And a lot of you texted me earlier. You said, Jake, you're a dum-dum. I agree with you. Absolutely. This was a stupid thing to do. I'm sitting in this plastic seat. You mentioned the plastic seat. You remember the plastic seat I mentioned earlier? I'm sitting in this plastic chair. I've just poked a hole in a cup full of really hot coffee. And so I instinctively take my thumb out. That was a dumb thing to do. I should have just left my thumb in there. And it probably would have solved the problem fast enough for me to get back to long enough, I guess, for me to get back to the bathroom and take care of this issue, throw it away. Probably everything would have been fine. But what I do instead is instinctively, because my thumb is now in a hot cup of coffee, I pull my thumb out of the hot cup of coffee and there is now a hole in the bottom of my cup, which is now pouring right into my lap. I'm sitting in, I'm sitting in this seat pouring into my lap. It's about probably 10 ounces, I'd say, left in this cup. Hot coffee right into my lap. Spills onto the plastic seat, which then, because it's not absorbing anything, because it's not those comfy pews that I would have gotten if I had shown up to church on time, uh, it just leaks all the way back, soaking my butt in hot brown water. And my wife, God bless her, is sitting next to me and she sees this entire thing play out. And everyone, again, is not looking at me. They're looking up front where they should be looking. They're listening to the sermon. They are seeing people get baptized this particular Sunday. And my wife is now looking at me as I have coffee spilling all over myself in this plastic seat. And now I have this dilemma. I'm like, what do I do? Do I stand up and draw attention to myself? Or do I just sit here with a wet butt and let it continue to spread on my pants? So I think to myself, maybe if I go quickly and run to the back, nobody will notice it. And I can get some uh, napkins and I can dry my pants in front of everybody. I look over at my wife, I'm like, what do I do? I'm kind of whispering to her like you do in church. What do I do? And she's just laughing so hard, trying not to laugh. It's kind of the laugh that's like when you're laughing so hard and you're not supposed to be laughing, then it becomes even more funny. And then the person next to her sees what I'm doing. And then they start kind of like, they get a grin on their face and they're being polite. They're trying not to laugh at me because they're actually kind of a kind person. My wife, she feels none of those obligations because she's my wife. And so she's just plain laughing at me as I have hot brown water soaking through my pants. And I make the decision to get up because I 
want to try to dry my seat as fast. It's just not drying. It's like somehow it's like just now going down my legs. So I run to the back real fast. And as I'm doing so, I slip. It's literally all over these wood floors beneath my seat. And I'm slipping on it. So I kind of stumble, drawing more attention to myself. So now everybody behind me, thank God, there are like literally, thank God, there's only about eight rows of people behind me. Now they're all in plastic seats too. So, uh, they're probably not super comfortable. So they see whatever commotion that I'm making and I think they probably see that my pants are full of brown water. Now they don't know that it's coffee because I was sitting down. I can only imagine what they thought it was. So I go to the back, I get a bunch of rags and I, you know, like just like really thin paper towels and I bring them back up and I sop up the mess on my seat. I sop up the mess. And then I just, I have no other recourse but to sit back down on it, hoping that my pants, by the time this whole it's church service ends that my pants are dry enough. So when I stand up, uh, people aren't noticing. And and I'm just like, maybe if I take my shirt off, which would be a weird move, but maybe if I take my shirt off and I'm just wearing an undershirt, then I can tie my shirt around my waist. It was just a mess, a complete mess. It was a horrible, and it does not have a good ending. I ended up not taking my shirt off. It didn't work out for me. My pants never dried. The service quickly thereafter ended. I had to stand up as everybody said their goodbyes and just have a wet butt. I'm like literally standing for the last two minutes where everybody says, all right, now join us in a hymn at the end of the service. We all sing a song. Everyone behind me is just looking at, I just assume, I don't know, maybe they didn't pay attention. Maybe they, nobody said anything about it. So maybe that's a good sign. Nobody actually pointed it out. My wife pointed it out and laughed about it for the rest of the day. And so, I don't know, just thought I'd tell you guys uh, and share that with you. So I started the weekend with a real fat head and uh, the Lord cleared that up for me pretty quick. So I think you guys should feel good about that. One, that you're listening to the show. You should feel good about that. And I thank you for that. But two, um, that I got my comeuppance. And the truth is the Lord works in mysterious ways. Am I right? All right, let's move on. Let's get to it. We got a lot of stuff to get to. There is a story that I want to talk about that deserves some attention because I didn't know this, but today is National Weather Person's Day. Now, Weather Person's Day is a ridiculous holiday that I had no idea existed. And don't get me wrong, I like weather people, but I tend to feel the same way about that profession. If you listen to the show, you know, I think it's kind of a joke. Uh, The weather profession, I feel about the weather profession the same way that Tom Cruise does about psychiatry. I've never agreed with psychiatry, ever. And then when I started studying the history of psychiatry, I started realizing more and more why I didn't agree with psychiatry. Exactly. Thank you, Tom Cruise. Great analogy for why I disagree with the weather people's profession. Uh, here's a little history on weather's National Weather Person's Day, if you would all, are all interested. And I know nobody cares, but here it is. National Weather Person's Day honors the birth of one of America's first weather observers, John Jeffries, in 1744. He began taking daily weather observations in Boston in 1774. That's pretty cool. And he took the first weather balloon observation in 1784, so he could get a little bit closer to looking up. And that's about as far as the profession has evolved, in my opinion. Uh, literally, just look up and you are almost as accurate as weather people are every single day. What I like to do is I pull out my phone app, my weather app on my iPhone. 
I don't know why I do this for as much as I don't trust weather people. I do like to look at the weather app on my phone. I look at it about 10 times a day. I think it's because I just recently turned 40, and that's just what I like to do with my spare time. There's a lot of other stuff that people look at on their phone. Looking at your weather app 10 times a day is the least of those bad things. But people get their weather in all different ways these days TV, radio, online, or the weather app, as I've just mentioned. And so today we just like to look back, and I'm not going to say that I honor National Weather Person's Day because, again, I'm not really sure that it's a real profession. And I like the weather people. Don't get me wrong. I really do. I got a lot of respect for them as people. But as far as a profession goes, they're like 10% accurate. And nobody seems to have a problem with that. And maybe that's all right. I guess that's fine. All right, let's move on. I don't need to dog on weather people all day. Uh, you guys have heard of, of uh, Ozempic, right? If you watch The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills or if you are a fan of Oprah, you know what Ozempic is. Allow myself to introduce myself. My name is Richie Cunningham, and this is my wife, Oprah. So this is really interesting. We talked with Mickey Gomez earlier on the show. Apparently, I didn't realize this was something you can do, but because people kind of go crazy about everything these days, uh, Ozempic and Wagovi, which I believe originally were not intended to be weight loss medications, but the side effect of these you know, they can be used to treat, I think, I think one of them's used to, uh, treat like diabetic issues. They also make people lose weight because they help you curb your appetite and people then don't eat as much. And so they end up losing a ton of weight, but in Washington state, people are going a little overboard apparently, and they are overdosing on Ozempic and Wagovi, which I guess is another, um, according to Mickey, it's another name for Ozempic. And that's a problem, and it's causing people to have a lot of issues. Now, people got really into this because, again, I mentioned Beverly Housewives, or it's not how Beverly Housewives, what is it? Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Uh, there have been much debate about whether or not a bunch of the ladies on that show use it. There is also debate about Oprah for a while. She got really, really skinny really fast, and she recently talked about she has started using this. Oh, you all have been seeing the headlines, the new weight loss drugs. Everybody's talking about Ozempic, Wigovi, Manjaro. Are these new drugs a miracle cure? Are they safe? That's what we all want to know. I don't know if there is another public person whose weight struggle has been exploited as much as mine over the years. So this is amazing to kind of understand that my obesity is also a brain issue. Well, that means the conversation is worth it. Yes! I am so excited that we finally have effective treatments for obesity. For almost 50 years, I've been told it's my fault. I know. The stigma isn't gonna go away overnight. As a person who's been shamed for so many years, I'm just sick of it. Me too. I'm just sick of it. I'm just sick of it. And I hope this conversation begins the unshaming, the unshaming of it. She is sick of it. Uh, but people are overdosing. And when you overdose, apparently you're not supposed to take this every day. I guess there's like a weekly medication that you take and then it gets into your system and I don't know what it does. But... People are overdosing, and when you overdose on it, it's pretty bad because you are, you can get like, you know, kind of both ends, you know what I mean? Like, I don't need to explain that to you too much, but it comes out both ends fast and furious, and that's a bad thing. And so if you're suffering from this, you can get dehydrated and all these different things. You probably also lose a little bit of weight, ironically, uh, if it's all coming out your boat, you know, whatever. So that's actually no, not, I'm not, we wouldn't say that's a silver lining to that. But you should make sure that you are reading your uh, your instructions. If you are 
given this weight loss medication because it does need to be prescribed. Make sure you're reading those instructions. That's an important thing, and everybody should be doing that. But yeah, Oprah was talking about it. Everybody seems excited about it. But be careful out there because people are overdosing on it in our state. All right, this was something we also talked about earlier, which I thought was really, really great. Uh, Washington State Patrol is going to recommend charges to some recent pro-Palestinian protesters that were on I-5. Do you guys remember this? Uh, It's been about a month since all these protesters got together and they shut down I-5. Washington State Patrol were on the scene along with other law enforcement um, departments. This thing took like... What was it, like four and a half hours they had this protest and it was this coordinated effort where they got together. They all drove their cars out there, not the not the law enforcement people, the people protesting. They decided that they wanted to uh, end the Middle East uh, fighting by shutting down the freeway in Seattle. How that's going to end that, I don't know. But they had an idea about that. So they shut down the freeway. They used a bunch of cars that they lined up side by side. They all drove up I-5. They drove north on I-5. And then right after the convention center, they blocked the road. They got out of their cars. They start a circle where they're all singing and dancing and they're cheer or chanting into um, uh, bullhorns. More than 500 people participated in this protest. And at the time, it was really frustrating. We talked to Chris Loftus. He's Washington State Patrol's communications director. He explained why at the time, even though there was like 500 people participating in this, it was huge news. It was everywhere. They did it for like four and a half hours. And then it took them an additional hour and a half-ish to clear the area, and it only was eventually cleared, not because police started making arrests, and not because the investi- uh, not because the protesters were listening to police officers. Instead, it started raining, and they just didn't like the rain. So they got out of the rain, and they marched off. But uh, they left their cars behind. And so the Washington State Patrol had to bring in bomb-sniffing dogs to make sure there was nothing in those cars so that it was safe for police officers to, or, um, and state patrol officers to remove those cars and tow them away. So that took an additional like hour and change. So this whole ordeal took like six hours. So I-5, this major roadway that moves uh, freight and moves people throughout our state, was blocked for six hours, which is crazy. So Washington State Patrol at the time, we talked to Chris Loftus, he explained to us that they didn't make any arrests that day, uh, and here's the reason why. I'm reading all these stories, I see countless videos. Was was anybody actually arrested from this protest that happened? Not yet. Uh, we were in the process of uh, doing a mass arrest event uh, when the weather changed and the protesters uh, left on their own accord. So he he basically goes on to explain, I don't have time to play the entire clip. He goes on to explain that the reason they didn't make any arrests at the time is that they were waiting to have all of the different law enforcement agencies together in ready to arrest multiple people. Because if they were just going to arrest like one person, like I suggested they do, why don't you just like make an example of somebody, arrest somebody symbolically, and maybe the rest will just like get scared off and they'll scatter. Well, he said, no, that's not exactly how it works. You can actually incite more dangerous situations. Maybe they start attacking police officers. You just don't know what the response is going to be. So they need to make sure if you're going to start arresting people, you have the capacity to arrest a lot of people, which takes a while. And I understand that completely. However, they have now said that they are going to be, um, according to this, is according to um, a My Northwest article, uh, they said Washington State Patrol is preparing to recommend charges against six people later this week. Uh, this was first reported on Jason Rance's show over on KTTH. He's a good friend of the show. And they said another 10 protest participants are also being investigated and could face charges. More than 500 participated in the protest, blocking I 5 North in Seattle for several hours. 
I think that's great. I think people need to be arrested for this. It should be illegal. I'm all for peaceful protests, but you can't keep other people from living their lives just because you want to make a political point. All right, we got a lot more coming up on the show. You're not going to want to miss it. I Trust me, I promise you. Next, Felix Bunnell is going to join us. Here's all you need to know. Me and Felix Bunnell having fun chit-chatting with each other. There is a mystery house in Kirkland, and you want to hear the deals about this mystery house. Trust me. Is it going to get torn down? Are they going to leave it up? Where did it come from? These are all the answers they're trying to get to the bottom of in Kirkland. It's very interesting. We're going to have more on that. We come back here on Cairo Nights. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. I have one of my all-time favorite guests on the show. He's really become a pretty good friend, which I count myself lucky. <laughs> Felix Bunnell, welcome Wait, to the show. That's a little presumptuous of you. Well, no, all right. You, well, we, I, have, we have known each other for a long time. We just I, didn't meet in person. I consider you a friend, but you Same don't here. consider me a friend yet, which is no, what we're totally, just finding totally. out live on the air. Thank you very much. Exactly. That's very awkward. <laughs> no, we, act, we actually have known each other a long time, haven't we? 15 years, I think. Something because like you used to come on, I'm trying to think, you used to come on to Dory's show and... Talk about local history, talk about local TV history a lot. Or TV history. Sports, hydroplane, 50s history stuff. Hydroplane. So, I, remember one time, I remember one time sending you the, the Sonics, Seattle Supersonics, novelty songs I had. Yeah. I remember the Seattle Sonics, old songs from like <laughs> yeah. the uh, 70s. and Yeah, from the championship year in, yes. in 79. I think like 78 and 79, they had that Seattle Sonics do it tonight, this kind of disco song. That yes. was really cool. And then there's this very white sounding song about Sonics. Yeah, you're okay. You bring us all the thrills in the NBA. It's was just, it like very terrible. much like Presidents United States of America sound? No, not even that. It was it was an album that was put out like a of uh, Bob Blackburn, the old voice of the Sonics, and somehow they they package it with this very kind of clean sounding like a um like some radio jingle group somewhere in Texas. Recorded. Oh, gotcha. It yeah. was just totally anesthetic. Yeah. So anyway, or not oh, anesthetic, antiseptic. Well, me. okay. So 15 years. We've known each other for 15 Long years. Long time. Yep. That's why we have such an easy back and forth. You're you're a good. You're one of the good guys, Jake. Well, listen to this. I saw a story of yours the other day, and I said I got to get this guy in here and talk about <laughs> this because it had a couple of things in it that grabbed my attention. One, I love the East Side. The East Side's very interesting to me. Also, there's a mystery house. Yes. yes Tell me about yes. this mystery house. Well, I've been driving past this house or walking past it for probably my whole life. I grew up in Kirkland, grew up on Rose Hill between Kirkland and Redmond. Oh, and then, you, Richie yeah, Rich, yeah. huh? Really? <laughs> no, no. Have you have you been to, were you, did you go to Rose Hill in the 1970s? No. It was not. It was a very- I just assume was, everywhere in Kirkland's rich. You know, they've torn down my parents' house and replaced it with two giant mansions and stuff. My neighborhood, the street I grew up on, yeah. just east of Lake Washington High School- Unrecognizable. I can't go. All I can. All that's there still is the the Douglas fir tree and this big giant glacial erratic rock that my dad dug up about probably sixty years ago. It's still there. I want to go and steal it. Don't tell him. I, I almost wanted to steal it when the house was for sale. Never got around to it. Well, you you know, it probably weighs like five hundred pounds. It's a pretty big rock. <laughs> or, right? or one of those. You know, when, you, when the guys deliver a dryer to your house, do they yeah. put that weird harness on where the two of them? You might be able to do that yeah, with one of those, like just like carrying it somehow with your so back. If I knew someone with an with an appliance shop, they might help me steal this rock. Off I could of, help you. I got a truck. Enough. I could help you. No, Rosalie, we weren't. We weren't. I'm the one of nine kids. We weren't poor. Oh, that's right. We didn't yeah, go yeah. hungry, but we certainly weren't like living the lavish lifestyle. Yeah, but, no, but that I, area now, like you mentioned, yeah, it's I wouldn't. I wouldn't filled with mansions. Yeah, yeah, it's very different. Yeah, it's, it's very I, different. I, I drive back there a couple times a year and just kind of you know just kind of absorb. But only thing that's different, all the trees are taller. That big rock's still there, but. So this is this is in uh, the downtown part of Kirkland on a place called Sixth Street South, right where the railroad tracks used to be. It's now this Kirkland Cross Corridor Trail that goes all the way. Eventually, will go all the way along the east side on the old railroad oh, line. Oh yes, yes, I've seen it's it. It's just uh, what would it just be? Um, 
north of the Google campus in Kirkland. Yeah. And there's this little there's a little creek and this little red house looks like a little shack or a little cottage, little rolling hillside, kind of a split rail fence. It's been there again my whole life. I've driven past it over and over again. And about a couple of weeks ago, I stopped and looked at it because something had obviously changed. As it turns out, the people who'd owned it had passed away. The estate put it up for sale somehow, and a bunch of neighbors got together and convinced the city to buy it. Oh, cool. So they bought this little triangle piece shape of land. It's right alongside the trail. It might eventually have picnic tables and stuff for the people who are actually using that Just trail. like a little community space or a park or yeah, something? Yeah, and it's right along kind of a busy road, um, but it's it's got this little creek, as I mentioned, down along the side. And I took some pictures. I crouched down by the creek and, and took pointed my camera back toward where the little house is. It looks like you're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. it's And they, literally, you're a few blocks from so that's, Google. that's right near the Google campus just, and right alongside a north, road? Yeah, right along 6th Street South. And it's this very cool little shack. They think... Doing some research, got some help from my friends over the Kirkland Heritage Society. You know, again, I grew up in Kirkland and known some of these people for decades. And it turns out the cottage dates probably 1945. Got some help from my friends at the King County Assessor's Office at the at the archives over at Bellevue Community College, or Bellevue College, I guess they call it now. You got friends everywhere. Kind of did all the paperwork. Oh, you, you live someplace long enough and you aren't a total jerk. You yeah. end up making friends. Yeah, you, you, at the Assessor's Office or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so the little cottage, they think, was built in 1945. It's belonged to the Fisk family. That's the people who own the bigger house that's to the north. Okay. And there's a lot of debate that was raging on social media when I first posted some pictures and said, hey, does anyone know the backstory to this cool little mystery cottage here in downtown Kirkland? And some people said, oh, yeah, it was just a shack where the guy kept his pigeons. Um, some woman said, oh, I almost rented that back in the 70s. I was huh. going to live in there. And Bizarre. then Loita Hawkinson, who's a friend of mine from the Heritage Society, she said that it actually looks like at some point around 1970, they called it Red Barn Antiques, and it might have been an antique store. Oh, funny. Because if you look, you know, it looks like it has electricity. It looks like it might have even had a little place where there's a bathroom. Yeah. It looks like this perfect little sort of cottage mystery house that you could have been very happy living in, kind of a, uh, I don't know, maybe what, 400, 500 square feet? Maybe it's, that's it, even bigger than that, but kind of a bohemian lifestyle on the tight. edge of Kirkland. When, when I saw it, because if anyone wants to see it, you can find pictures of this on MyNorthwest.com. Mm-hmm. Just look up Felix Pinnell, and he's got a section there. But when you look at it, it looks like if you're like ha- like just taking a stroll through the woods, it would look like a tiny little magical cottage. Where a little dwarf would live and who have just, like sort of like mushrooms. Totally. Or- that just pops up out of nowhere. And <laughs> yeah, you're just like, exactly. well, how in the heck did this thing get And here? the creek is amazing, too. It's Everest Creek, which flows off the hill there. A couple blocks away is Everest Park, which is the really famous Kirkland baseball park where the Kirkland National... Little League All-Stars trained and practiced. From the 1980s. And they won the Little League World Series back in 1982. Mark something. He was the guy who hit that home Cody Webster. Cody Webster. He was a pitcher in the hitter. Yeah, Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, Gibby Black was a kid I went to high school with who was on that team as well. Um, But so it's it's just a few blocks from Everest Park. And so Everest Creek, which is this creek that apparently goes underground several parts of Kirkland, it's actually daylighted all through this property. There's this cute little creek tumbling across the rocks. I was there. It was just... It's like, if, again, it felt like I was off in the Just woods. Just Totally different. Yeah. Yeah. And so they've been trying to figure out what the real story is. Um, the Fisk family, I think there's there's the people who, the estate that sold it, anyone who knows anything about what actually went on there isn't around anymore. It's or, like the story's been lost to Or the, this is the darker version. They're keeping quiet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What went the on. little red cottage in Kirkland. Little yeah, scary red cottage. Will, um, yeah, and you know, sort of spool out over several episodes if yes. you find all the people and then the before you know it, this, and the, then the get city the, is going to like have to condemn it and, and tear it down. And get the ground penetrating radar to identify where all the, Yikes. You know, who knows what is buried. That, now that would be, that, that would be like some British uh, kind of mystery show. I hope that's not the case. I don't think it will be. I like to think it's a sweet little cottage. And I talked to the Kirkland Parks Department 
apartment and they said, well, you know, we're not just going to tear the house down without asking people first. They kind of said that they're going to, that was kind of the quote. I think the guy wanted, and very nice, returned my call. Not everyone returns my call, but he returned my call and essentially said they do want to do some kind of public process because part of them thinks the little house is just a piece of junk and should be removed so yeah. there's not a hazard for people using the park. Unless it's special in some way. But yeah, but there is sort of this this chorus growing to say, hey, that's a cool little shack. Whatever happened there, whether it was mysterious or whether it was something just totally mundane, yeah. um, let's keep that because it's such an old Part, a cool part of Old Kirkland, and it's been so visible for so many decades. Anyone who's driven through that part of Kirkland, if you look at the pictures of my Northwest, you know yeah. exactly what I'm talking about. There, I love old buildings like that. We go to, um, there's this little place we get breakfast at. Um, I live up north in mm-hmm. uh, Snohomish area. Mm-hmm. And there's a little place we get breakfast at, and my and while we're waiting for takeout on the weekends, sometimes, we don't always, we're not ritzy, yeah. ritz people, but uh, <laughs> sometimes when we get breakfast there, we wait, and there's this tiny little, like, uh, uh, lumberjack cottage oh, at man. the edge of Snohomish, right above a river, right above the Snohomish River, yeah. just like, you know, your mm-hmm. little river you were talking about, which makes sense when they would have like, you know, they wanted, would have wanted a water source. Yeah, yeah. So it's right next to this water source. It's this two level, but you can still go up and see it's like got the mud thatch and all that kind of wow. stuff. Super old. And then right next to it, and it's this one. This one's actually like kind of creepy looking because if you peer in the window, it's got all this dust on the window. And then inside, there's a Christmas tree that is up. That's been up for probably I don't know however long it's been up. But there's no one who lives in it. I think it's like a little tiny museum, but I don't think it's open anymore. Yeah, yeah. It actually reminds me of that movie Hocus Pocus. Did you see that movie uh, on Disney? And it's like those three witch sisters. Oh yeah, and Bette Midler's one of them. Bette Midler's in it. Sarah Jessica Parker <laughs> and the other lady. And then it turns Kathy in- Najimy. Kathy Najimy? Yeah, yeah. I think so. That's a good poll. That's great right there. (laughs) She also played the press secretary's wife on Veep. There you go. Yeah. Bingo. So this little place, I think, was a museum at some point, and I think it has some connection to Old Town Snohomish, which is a very old little town. The downtown part of Snohomish is very cool. But right next to it is a cemetery, Uh, and you have all these graves from like the late 1800s. And, you know, I love walking through, it's kind of weird, but like, I love going through old grave sites and yeah. just seeing the history of these different places. Yep. And so this, this house is obviously not getting torn down, the ones in the homeless. I hope the one in Kirkland also doesn't get torn yeah, down. Yeah, I hope so too. Those are cool yeah. pieces of our history that we all can enjoy. And even if, even if all they turn it into is like, lock it up, put some stuff in the window that people can peer through. And then it gives people like a thing that they can walk by. Yeah. That would be worth it. Because this this whole notion, I mean, there's certain buildings are worth saving for lots of different reasons. Is this thing architecturally significant? No. It's got a cool little porch with these turned posts on the way. You could stand, kind of, you can sort of stand on the porch now and kind of get an idea of what it looked like. Yeah. But the fact it's in such a prominent place, both along the road and this, the old rail line, which is the old belt line they built back in the early 1900s as a way to kind of bypass all the railroad traffic in Seattle. Yeah. That's becoming this trail now. It actually is a trail now. But it's, there's so much traffic going by there. To maintain some part of the visual identity, that, that continuity, that's what gives you that sense of place. When you drive by, you know where you are without having to look at a map or think about it. You just, you just visually right away just osmosis know I'm in Kirkland at that little house. Yeah. I, I love stuff What like a that. great direction, like signposts, too. Like, oh, just drive by the little red right house. By the little red house where all those horrible things where happen. Where those horrible things tried, happen. The family tried to hide yeah. by giving it as a donated thing. Don't stop city. there. It's yeah. a very scary yeah. place. Google's nearby. That's kind of scary, too. Um, well, Felix Pinnell, I love your stories. Thank you for bringing them to us. My pleasure. Thanks. All right, coming up next, I always save the best for last. You guys know that. And next, I'm going to play you some audio of a young girl on TikTok. She's not young. She's in her 20s. She's not happy that she has to work 40 hours a week. She can't afford her life. We've played a few clips like this already. This is another one. I'm going to play you some clips. 
If you've lived any kind of life and you've had bills or you've ever rented an apartment or you've ever just had a normal job, you're probably going to laugh at some of these clips. <laughs> I promise you I will. All right, we're going to be right back here on Kyra Nights. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. Welcome back to the show. All right, I got to jump into these clips so fast. I'm just running out of time. So I'm going to get to it really quick. There was a young woman. She went on TikTok to vent her frustration, as all young people seem to do these days. And she's tired of having to work. She's tired of having to work so hard. She's just so tired of it. Why is it that I have to work 40 hours a week just so I can have a place to live? 40 hours a week makes me $2,000 a month. And my rent is $1,660. So I work 40 hours a week so I can have a two-bedroom apartment and an extra $300 a month. Like, it doesn't cover my phone, internet, food, you know? So not only do I not have any extra money, but... Just working makes me so exhausted that I don't have time either. What is, I don't know what it is. Is it because I'm 40 that when I hear young people complaining about working, there's something inside me that gets warm and fuzzy? <laughs> like, I don't know what that is. I, don't, I, I almost hate admitting that. So when you break down what she's saying here, she's saying she works 40 hours a week. She clears about $2,000, which means she's probably actually making about $2,300, maybe $2,400 a month. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, a month. And she's making, let's see, what would that be? That's uh, bu- 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 that's like between $40 and $60 an hour for her job. She's now has a two-bedroom apartment. I mean, if I'm just like quickly diving in here in dad mode, I have three kids. I'm, I, I know how finances work. If I'm just diving in here dad mode, I'd say, all right, well, number one, you're one person with two bedrooms. Like either rent the other room out or downsize to a studio. Uh, studios are great. Or do what I did, like rent a crappy house, I'm sorry, rent a crappy room in a crappy house. And then you make some great friendships doing that. I became best friends with the guys I rented a house with after college. And uh, they're now like the godfathers of my children. So I highly recommend doing that. You could save a lot of money doing that. The other thing is like her phone bill. She's talking about 300 bucks for phone and internet and all that stuff. There's a lot of cheap phone things that you can do now. I just recently switched over uh, to Mint Mobile. You know, Ryan Reynolds, that's his company that he owns. I don't know if you guys knew that. Super cheap. It's like like you can buy pro you can buy uh, phone plans on Mint Mobile for like fifteen bucks a month. That's pretty good. You can get more expensive ones too. Um, but all right, just really fast. I can have one more time for one more clip of her. She says it's just so tough. The schedule's brutal. She just can't do it anymore. I don't care how poor and miserable I would have to be, but I literally can't have a place to live without this. You know, like, yeah, that's generally how it works. That's generally how it works. You won't have a place to live if you don't work. Like, I don't know what to do. I'm not, I'm not made for this. I don't have the money, time, or energy to enjoy my life outside of work. And I don't know what to do about it anymore. You know, I'm so tired. Just wait. Until you have kids. I do have one option for her that she could, this would solve, this would solve the exhaustion part, the the housing and the having money for your phone plan and all that kind of stuff. This wouldn't help with that, but it would solve the exhaustion part. I, I quit. I quit. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> I quit, Mr. White. 
That's from uh, That Thing You Do. Do you guys remember that movie? It's pretty good. Tom uh, Hanks directed it. Anyway, I hope that she finds happiness, and I hope that she finds a roommate. I think that's going to save her a lot of money. All right, that's it for us. We had a great show. We had so much fun, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. We really do appreciate you guys listening, and honestly, you guys gave us a massive ratings mop. Like, I, I can't even explain to you how surprised they were, and maybe I should take that a little offensively from my bosses, but they were like, wow, like you actually have a really popular show. How did you do that? And I said, well, come on, guys. Like, I'm putting on the show. It's me. I'm putting on the show overnight. We're working really hard. Good things happen, right? Good things happen to good people. And you guys are all good people. I sincerely thank you for that. Matt, great job tonight. Thank you to Felix Bennell. Thank you to Mickey Gomez for coming on with us, too. We got a lot of great stuff coming tomorrow night. You're not going to want to miss it. But for now, I got to go. I'm exhausted. Night-night. I don't know what to do about it anymore. I'm so tired. 